East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, everybody, and welcome to East-West Draftcast, the greatest thing ever happened to the history of the universe. This is one of your hosts, Jeff. We have two hosts on this podcast, though, and that second host is Greg. What's up, Greg? Uh, not much, man. I like how it started off being like the best limited podcast ever to the best podcast ever to the best thing on the internet ever. Now we're just the best thing in the universe. Like, can we top that? No, I, th- I think I fucked up. <laughs> I think I, sh- I shouldn't have gone so high so fast. I'm like, uh, you're like Icarus with wings of wax. God damn it. I'm going to fall so hard. Oh, man. Anyway, today on our show, uh, we are going to do some spoilers. Spoiler alert! Everybody loves spoilers. There's gate crash spoilers. 67 of them, in fact. And we're going to talk those. But first... But first, we have uh, something a little bit relevant to the current limited format. Um, I made an observation about Return to Ravnica that Greg wanted to talk about in essentially dispute. Why don't you hit, hit him in the numbers with your assertion? All right. So I've been drafting online for... Uh, I took a little break. Uh, Cube, Cube was out, and that, I did not touch Return to Ravnica when that was online. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Way better than Return to Ravnica, because it's better than anything. But uh, anyway... I dispute that. I... Uh, Mind twist people for like six on turn three. It's absurd. <laughs> I love doing stupid, dumb things. But anyway, I've been playing Return to Ravnica this week, and uh, I've been noticing a lot that whenever I draft a deck that is just just good cards, like not necessarily synergistic cards, just like I'm gonna have like a nice curve that has like guys with big power, and I'll have some pump spells or or I'll have some like trick other tricks. That tends those tend to be my winning decks, and I see those decks beating me as well. Where when I try to get tricky with synergy, I tend to fall on my face. And so I made the assertion that Return to Ravnica is really not very synergistic compared to other recent draft sets. And what do you think about that, Greg? Do you think I'm right? Well, when you frame it like that, like before when you mentioned this, it was in a slightly different scope when you frame it like that i somewhat agree with you before you said that return to ravnica doesn't have synergy i didn't say did i say that something like that you know or it was like i meant it's like just not nearly as important okay all right well then i i I can definitely agree with that to an extent but i think that part of what what you miss when you talk about like that synergy is less important is that what we come to think of as synergy was kind of just rammed down our throats in this format where you're supposed to draft a guild, you know? And if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. And that's where the synergies lie. So like there's a black red synergy, there's a white green synergy, there's a white blue synergy and so on and so on and so on. And it's like, so it's a little more obvious, I guess like you don't get to search out these extravagant, spider spawning type decks because the color combinations are so force fed to us that we didn't really get the opportunity to play around with it too much. Yeah. You know what? Like you saying that I didn't even think about that in the slightest of the guilds being 
synergy. <laughs> like, I didn't even think about it in terms of the guilds. That makes a lot more sense. Right. So when you said that the guilds don't have, or when, when, that the set doesn't have synergy, that made me think, well, it does, but it's just, you don't really get to find it because it's just given to you. Right. That's true. Like, Populate is a very synergistic type of deck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and there are a few mechanics, well, uh, yeah, I guess a few mechanics that, that are synergistic. Populate's being the obvious one. Um, but the other one, I, I guess, scavenges synergistic in a way. I would uh, say that Unleash is also. It's, it's synergistic in that the more Unleash guys you have, the better it's gonna go for you. Well, I mean, isn't that the definition of synergy? Yeah, but they don't necessarily, like, complement each other in that. Like, they could, I could just have big dudes that could block, and it would do the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like synergy. They complement each other in a very obvious way. That's the difference, you know? Yeah, I guess so. It's like, nothing is, there are no synergies that are, like, that you have to work for in any way, pretty much. Nope. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it. I I always compare limited sets to uh, Rise of the Eldrazi nowadays because that's just the the set that I think of when I think of really really good dra- um, draft sets, and it that set was very awesome in that like synergy was so important and it wasn't super obvious like it was pretty obvious in that like take the ramp cards if you want to play the giant spells or you know take the level up stuff if you want to be leveling up. Right, but there was also, like, raid bombardment. Yeah, exactly. There was a bunch of, like, token strategies that you didn't, that, like, weren't exactly what you thought of at first, and there was a lot of things when you were drafting that set is you would take a card, like, I don't know, you, there was, like, a card like Flame Slash or something, which is, like, an obvious early pick uh, for those that didn't play that set. It's one red for four damage to any creature at sorcery speed. And uh, an obvious early pick is just a solid, cheap removal spell. But then, like, as the pack went on, it, like, maybe I have plenty of removal, but what I don't have is the ramp that I need in my red-green ramp deck. And and that card becomes, like, I see that with, like, uh, an Undo Giant or something, and I'm like, I guess I take the Giant, even though it's a much worse card. Um, but it's just, like... Because it it filled it filled the synergy of my deck much more importantly. Like in this set, the only quote unquote synergy that I feel I see is like, oh, I need a two drop. <laughs> like not like I need this type of thing to fill my like plan. It's like nope, I just need a card to play at two mana. So I think in general you're correct. I do think that populate is inherently one that goes against what you just said. Right. Where there are times that in, in a draft where you're drafting white green, we're like, okay, what do I need to prioritize? The creature tokens or the populate cards? And you have to make those choices pretty often. Mm-hmm. Populate is the one deck that I actually like to draft for that reason. Well, I would also say that is it falls into that category, not necessarily as a, a blatant like keyword centric synergy, but the cards in that deck are like, do you remember how hard it was or how bad we thought is it was at the beginning of this format? Yeah, and the the thing was, we just hadn't figured it out yet. That's true. We didn't know that you needed to be taking those Electromancers really high. You needed to take cards like Teleportal and Bluster Squall and, and 
cram those in there with with bad cards like Cobble Brute to make a deck. Totally, yes. So that's a very, I mean, the synergy was there. I think it was just because we didn't have to work very hard to figure out the synergy in a lot of the other guilds. Mm-hmm. That we that was the one that we had to work for. And once we figured it out, everything felt kind of simple, I guess. Right. Now I have a question for you. Do you think that I, I will admit that there is, I guess, less synergy to search for and less, uh, I don't want to put this. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. Just like less synergy to search or work for in this format. Do you feel like that is, that makes this format any worse than other formats? Like comparing something to Rise of the Eldrazi is admittedly a little unfair, right? Because that was one of the best draft formats ever. Sure. Yeah. But comparing it to something like, Scars Block or Innistrad, which was also very good, or I don't know, just a core set draft. Does the lack of interesting synergy in Return to Ravnica make it any less fun for you to play? Yeah, I think so. Or, or not fun for me to play, but fun for me to draft. I feel like I'm making less decisions in a draft. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Like I'm, there are less picks where I'm like, ooh, this or this. I don't know. It's like that happens like three or four times in a draft for me nowadays. And they're usually the early picks. Like I feel like I can have a list of pick order and it really doesn't change that much. Unless I'm drafting a deck like Populate or something. Which which is a big reason why if I see like a good populate card early, I'll just be like, I'm jumping on that. This is gonna be more fun to draft. And drafting is, in my opinion, the best part of playing Magic. Yeah, I guess for me, I derive more of my enjoyment out of the healthiness of the format in general. It's very healthy, yeah. And that, and I think this format is very good. You can do a lot of different things and still win. You can choose pretty much any guild. I do think that there are some guilds that are better than others. The guilds that have giant growth? Yeah. <laughs> or removal. <laughs> cough, Radkos, Rectos, Cough, you know? Yeah. I'd rather play a good format that's a little less interesting and a little less, I guess, Johnny, than play, I don't know. Scars of Mirrodin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, Scars is probably the one format that, like, the full block that I, if I tried to draft today, I would 3 I'm pretty <laughs> positive. Like, well, I have you never no... drafted it. I did. No, I did. I mean, just not very much. Like, three or four times, but it was like just a format that I, I generally have a, a hold on a format the first time I draft it. Like I can draft a deck that does well as long as I'm playing with people at my skill level, I guess. Like I, I can do well at the beginning in that format. I was terrible and, and I had no clue what was going on and I still don't understand it. And it's like, I feel like that one had uh, too much complexity. Like, I don't know. I feel like nobody figured it out. I'm sure that's a bold-faced lie, but uh, you I, you would uh you might have to take up some beef with Jordan. Yeah, he was he ground he was grinding that after uh, the next set came out. I think it was Innistrad, right? Yeah. After Innistrad came out, he kept grinding Scars of Mirrodin block and was just coming up on it because he knew how to draft it. And nobody else did. For sure. I mean, I, when I say nobody, I mean in its lifetime, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like anything was super cemented like as this is the way you got to do this. I felt lost every, 
every time I, I even watched a draft of that, like, I didn't feel like I was being helped by the commentary. I don't know. It just, it seemed like a wacky ass format. Yeah. I, I kind of liked how complex it was that I, I don't want to get too much into Scars of Irritant Block because we're here to talk about Ravnica, but yeah, I, as far as Return to Ravnica goes, I like the fact that it's healthy more than anything else. I like that I can draft any guild and feel okay about it. It's not like an Avacyn Restored where you just, if you draft black, you're almost inherently at a disadvantage because the mechanic that's based in black just isn't as good as the things you're doing in other colors. Yeah, that set wasn't very good. Well, see, I like to draft that one too, but it was so unbalanced. Yeah, and that that bugs. That is the biggest downfall of any set for sure. And and Return Ravnica, I guess I'm saying something negative about it. I really like this format. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's better. It's better than Avacyn Restored. It's better than any core set, obviously. But so is every expansion ever. <laughs> but I don't know. I I mean, I like it. I like it probably as much as I liked um, Innistrad. Maybe Innistrad the the Innistrad Dark Ascension. That's saying something, though, because Innistrad was a pretty good format, too. Yeah, I like Triple Innistrad more. Yeah, so did I. Like, Triple Innistrad was, was really good, and then I think the addition of Dark Ascension brought it down. Yeah, I think most people agree on that. Anyway, that was kind of... I just wanted to talk more about how, I guess, the synergies were more obvious than maybe... Yeah, I didn't even think of that as synergy. <laughs> I know. But you're totally right, it is. And it's just funny how I just didn't even think of it. Okay, well, let's talk about Gatecrash, because we're all pretty tired of Return to Ravnica at this point, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert! I like this grasp of Phantasm. With Big and High? First Big High? Army of the Damn. Zombie, zombie, zombie. Coming out of the they're, ground. They're coming out of the ground. Exactly, they're coming to scrabble through the uh, the dirt. Don't draft it, I don't think, but... Maybe just so drafted? What? Uh, oh, God. Last of it. Spidery grass. I'm a huge fan of every pump spell that's ever been <laughs> There's another quasi-pump spell here, Travel Preparations. I don't love it. I don't, I don't like this card. Pump spell, man. Invisible Stalker. It's human. You need, you need to put some pants on it. I'll put anything on that guy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have talked about how bad I am at drafting. Are you accusing me of keeping loose hands with only <laughs> two lands and a looter? How dare you, sir? I, li- I want to talk about Silent Departure. Screams Valley. It seems good. The only thing I would take over is first the place. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Hogan's family approval. Angel of Light Alabaster. It's kind of cute. Yeah. Getting, getting tired of it. Uh, getting excited about new guilds. I guess that's more what it is. I'm more excited about the new set than I am over Return to Ravnica, because I still do like drafting Return to Ravnica. You know what, though? I am so much more excited for the third set than I am for this set after playing this one. Oh, tell I, me about it. Because I know how this is going to go. Like, it's going to be the same thing where it's like you have to draft a guild, and and it'll, it'll be pretty fun. And, or my guess is it'll be pretty fun, but uh, it'll be one of those things where you feel constrained. And I want I want it open. I want to be like, I can draft whatever the fuck I want. Yep. I want to draft three and four color decks consistently. I think that's yeah. what I really want. I was yeah. hoping for that with Return to Ravnica, and that definitely was not the case. No, yeah. I, I mean, we talked about that in the beginning with cards like Chromatic Lantern being <laughs> the best, one of the best early picks, and it's definitely not the case because it's just, five color is just not a thing, really. Like, it's kind of a thing, but you have to get pretty lucky. But just, just think about when Dragon's Mage does come out, and you open up that third pack, and you see that Chromatic Lantern staring back at you, 
and you just get an ear to ear grin and you just slam oh, that man. thing into your pile. Like that's yeah. what I want. I can't wait for that. I know. I wish that it was happening right now. <laughs> but I mean, it it's not like shards block. Shards was like you could do five color from the get go, and and it and it just got better as time went on. But but in shards of Alara triple, you could do it, and it was it was good. Yeah. Anyway. With that said, let's get into some of these gatecrash spoilers. We're going to be looking at mtgsalvation.com and their spoiler list. Currently, they have 67 cards spoiled of the 249 total. Mm-hmm. And you just want to do Wooberg White first? Let's Wooberg it. Okay. I, we're going to talk about rares and mythics just because there aren't that many cards to talk about, but we'll probably spend less time on those. Yeah, if they're obviously good. It's like, hey, they're good. Pass. So, speaking of good cards, first card on the list is Angelic Skirmisher. This is a rare. It's four colorless, two white for an angel creature. Um, It's a 4-4. And it has flying, because it's an angel. And I think all angels have flying. But uh, at the beginning of each combat, choose first strike, vigilance, or lifelink. Creatures you control gain that goddamn ability. Lifelink is printed on this card. That's frightening. <laughs> uh, yeah, this card's really good. <laughs> they gain that ability until end of turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sorry, you, sorry. you forgot until end of turn. I was like, how absurd does he want it? This card to see to yeah. the listeners. <laughs> After three turns, you just have these monster Voltrons. No. Yeah, it's just an angel dragon. I don't think we need to talk a whole lot about this. I do think that for the most part, you're probably going to choose Lifelink every time. <laughs> most, I mean. It's possible. I, I I can't. I would be very. I think it would be very rare to see vigilance be chosen. Oh, see, I think that would be the second most often one chosen, just because it's if you're behind, that's probably the mode you have to use. Well, lifelink is also the same. Like, if you're behind, lifelink seems equally good as vigilance. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's just like first strike. I could see using when it's like, oh, I can't attack into them because he's gonna trip double block my angel. Let me let me jump ahead for you a little bit. Uh-huh. So how about with all these cipher cards running around, mm. having blockers is going to be somewhat important. It's true. I didn't think about that. And we'll get to cipher in a minute, but it basically gives a bunch of like. There's actually three attacking only keywords in this set, battalion being one, um, as well as uh, the the uh, gruel one. I forget what it's called. Blood something. Blood rush. Blood rush. So those are all attackers get a bonus so i guess yeah maybe vigilance is better than i think it is yeah but we'll see uh next up is basilica guards this is a common two colors and a white for a human soldier creature it's a one four it has defender and it has the orzov mechanic which is extort which says whenever you cast the spell you may pay white or black if you do each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life yeah this is one of the most exciting cards for me on this spoiler list. Talk um, about dirtling. Yeah. Oh boy. Horn turtles that let me kill my opponent without attacking them very slowly. I love it. I want I want to play I want to draft as many of these as possible. And just every turn Oh, did you I I, I want to skip ahead, but <laughs> there's this sweet rare that, that doubles your swamp pr- production. But you can only trigger this once per spell. Right, but 
but per extort card you have in play. So if you have multiple extort cards, you could do it three times per spell. Or something. Yeah, you'd need you'd have to pay the spell and then pay three additional mana. So it's Fuck it, yeah. gets, it gets expensive. <laughs> Training three is huge, though. It is, and you and I have discussed this already. Like, you are way—you have a much bigger Orzov hard on than I do. But I'll tell—I'll tell you this: I don't necessarily think this is a great keyword. I just am excited to play with it. Let's move on. Sounds good. Uh, next card: Boros Elite. This is an uncommon uh, single white mana for a human soldier. This is a one-one, and it has. Uh, Boros' keyword, which is battalion. And what battalion is, is whenever this creature and at least two other creatures attack, blank happens. For Boros Elite, that thing is, uh, it gets plus two, plus two, so it becomes a three, three. So this is a swarming mechanic. We've seen them before. Yeah, I just want to see what you think about this card relative to another uncommon one drop like Dryad Militant. Which card would you rather have? Uh... I guess the elite. See, I'd rather have the militant. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the militant is. If this was a hybrid green white, I'd rather have this. I think. I, I don't know. I even if it was just white, even if they both cost the same, I'd rather just have the two one for one. I think. Than I this card. Nice and aggro. Like it's. There are very few one man three threes. In fact. And they only think of one, and it's a very it was very solid and limited. Banded modern. <laughs> is it banded modern? Nakatl? Yeah, I think so. Holy shit! I they could ban- be wrong. They banned a vanilla creature. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? That is absurd. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know though. Like this guy as a one-one for one, like having to attack with two other creatures is kind of a steep asking yeah, price. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I'm looking forward to this in the full block when I get my uh, my birds with it and what have you. Oh yeah, you're. Uh, but even still, like if you're attacking in with this guy and he gets his bonus, unless your other creatures are also getting better for attacking in multiples, you might not. Like if they just block one of them, like then you're back down to two creatures and maybe you just gave away one of your creatures to temporarily boost your Boros Elite. I just don't know how good that is. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this card is great. I I feel like it's a common level card. Not really. I guess probably in playtesting it was moved up to common or uncommon. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of too good too good multiples. Cold snap syndrome there. Yeah, but uh, it definitely it doesn't feel as powerful as an uncommon. To me. Right. But. And I guess Dryad Militant didn't necessarily either, but. I mean, think about it just in terms of, like, if you play each of those cards on turn one, the Militant is... Probably going to end up doing more damage. Doing more damage. In fact, although I would say that I guess the Boros Elite is probably a better late drop. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Okay, interesting. Uh, Next up is Gideon, Champion of Justice. This is our first Planeswalkers uh, that we're going to get to. Two colorless and two white, four loyalty to start, uh, plus one loyalty to put a loyalty counter on Gideon. So you heard me right. You plus one it to add a counter, so you actually plus two it. Uh, Oh, actually, right, hold on. Let me finish reading it. I fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Plus one, put a loyalty counter on Gideon, Champion of Justice, for each creature target opponent controls. So not only do you get to plus one it, but if they have three creatures out, you're actually plus fouring it. Yep. Kind of crazy, but it doesn't do anything else. Uh, You can pay zero, and this kind of mirrors the old Gideon. 
Until end of turn, Gideon becomes an indestructible human soldier creature with power and toughness each equal to the number of loyalty counters on him. He still plans to prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So I have a question about this. Sure. Is the prevent all damage that would be dealt to him just because Infect exists and Wither? Like, just for, like, the weird, crazy interaction that he'd have loyalty counters and minus one, minus one counters on him? That's possible. I mean... Because it's completely... It means nothing because he's indestructible. Well, possibly. I would also say it might have to do with the fact that, like, lifelink exists. Like, you can't gain life off of... Uh, that's true. That's true. Okay. But it is it is weird because you could still, like, use a card that says put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Yeah. It doesn't say you can't be targeted or anything like that. Yeah, that is an interesting clause, but right, right. I, I don't know. And then his ultimate is minus 15, exile all other permanents. <laughs> so I don't think you need to worry about the ultimate from a limited perspective. No. I mean, well, actually, I feel like it'll go off in board stalls sometimes, maybe. Maybe. I think, I think I'd go for it if there was a board stall going rather than attacking with my you know, 8-8 Gideon or something that they can just jump. Be like, fuck it. I'm just going to get to exile all permanents in like three turns, and then I win. <laughs> all right. As long, as long as Gideon's big enough to stay alive. Fair. I mean, what do you think is going to be the main mode of this? I mean, all, as soon as you cast him, you're probably just going to plus him regardless. Well, you, you, you can't have to. You can't, you can't attack, attack with him the first yeah. turn you play him. So yeah. he'll have at least five entering your opponent's first turn when Gideon's in play. Right. It's quite good. Four mana, five, five, indestructible. But he's not really... He's like... He feels the most like a creature than any Planeswalker has ever felt, for sure. Yeah. He, he's kind of like a Hydra. Um, like, Red like red has gotten a lot of Hydra. Same with Green. That, like, lose heads as they take damage and stuff. Yeah. Kind of feels like that. But you have to attack him directly for that to happen. I don't know. It's... He's a weird card, and I, I mean, I definitely think he's awesome in limited. And yeah, I think in limited, this is just a windmill slam first pick. Yeah. I don't, much. I don't think you had like can go wrong with this card in your deck. No. Yeah. I mean, it's a four mana five five that essentially is really hard to kill compared to a normal creature. Yeah, with the potential to be larger too. Yeah, with the potential to get massive in a stall situation. Yeah, it doesn't have any sort of evasion like or even trample, mm-hmm. but I don't think that matters. No, I I mean the thing is I don't I foresee playing Gideon, plusing him and then using zero until they're dead. Here, I have a I have an explanation for why prevent all damage is on there. Ah, give it to me. Just because if he take as a planeswalker, if he takes damage, you'd have to remove loyalty counters. Really? Yeah. Well, think about if you lightning bolt your opponent who has a planeswalker out. You can redirect that damage to a planeswalker. Like, it doesn't matter if he's indestructible. Ah, you're right. The counters would still go away. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, that way, when he's a creature, he doesn't actually get any smaller through damage. Yeah. Like, it's... I did find this really interesting, because the first time I read it, I read it as the original Gideon ability, which is just prevent all damage to him. Uh Uh-huh. And not indestructible prevent all damage. And then I read indestructible, and I was like, what? That's weird. The fact that he's indestructible is absurd, though, because now you can't even, like, terror affect it. Yeah, God, that's rough. Anyway, I I think this is an easy first pick. I don't want to talk a whole lot more about it. Do you have anything else to say? Nope, nope. 
Uh, next card, Murder Investigation, an uncommon for one colorless and one white. This is an enchantment aura. Uh, enchant a creature you control. Surprise. <laughs> um, when enchanted creature dies, put X-1-1 white soldier tokens onto the battlefield where X is its power. What do you think of this card, Jeff? Don't really like it. See, I think this is a battalion enabler. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's why it's in the set. Although I think it's an Orzov card. It feels more Orzovian than Borosian. it has something to do with the dead. Yeah, well, just kind of like Murder Investigation feels more like a... Uh, just the name of the card evokes kind of a... a picture. Oh, no. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have a guild affiliation. Well, sure, but I mean, like, as far as which of the white guilds in Gatecrash would be more interested in investigating a murder... I would think it would be Orzov. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I, I think this card's okay, but yeah, you're not... It seems like a weird Goblin Rally. <laughs> yeah, like a bad Goblin Rally. I don't know. I guess it's much cheaper, but I like the for sure getting my guys and not having something have to die to get them. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe it's Maybe it's better than I think it is, but... But, like, if the creature gets bounced while this is enchanting it, that's a bummer. Yeah, but you're probably putting it on an opponent's creature, is my guess. No, creature you control. It has to be one of your own. Oh, shit. This card sucks. <laughs> See, I don't think it sucks. I just don't know how good it is. It's not like... Oh, I don't like it at all. Really? I don't know. I think if you are really dependent on Battalion and, like, cards like Boros Elite that are bad unless you're attacking with three creatures, cards that give you a bunch of expendable dudes like this are good. Uh, especially, like, if in that scenario I laid out earlier where you attack with Boros Elite and two other creatures and they just eat one of your other creatures, if that creature they eat has a murder investigation on it, then you're going to kind of restock on those dudes to keep your battalion going. Because I have a feeling with battalion, you're going to be making a lot of bad attacks. <laughs> and if Possibly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think this card will probably have a place. It does not seem very good, though. I probably will pass it every time until somebody destroys me with it, and I'm like, alright, maybe I'll try it. Anyway, uh, next up is blue cards. The first one is called Cloudfin Raptor. One mana for a 0-1 bird mutant creature. It's a common. It has flying, and it also has the Simic keyword, which is Evolve. Now, Evolve says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has a greater power or toughness than this creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So... Cloudfin Raptor starts as an 0-1. If you play a creature that has one power or greater, you get to put a counter on the Raptor. Or two toughness or greater. Greater power or toughness. Oh, dip. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. That's Wow, that's interesting. That yeah, makes so, Evolve way better. Yeah, so your Horn Turtles can actually pump your guys. Yeah, crazy. So if the power or toughness of the creature you're that's entering the battlefield is greater than your evolved creatures, then the evolved creatures get plus one, plus one counters. This seems like one of the most synergistic and kind of like snowball mechanics they've ever printed to me for limited. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of terrified of it. (laughs) I like it. It'll be fun. I mean, it's definitely the one that, like, if you draft enough evolve, it gets out of hand the fastest, probably. Well, see, I don't know about that because... The evolved creatures themselves are all pretty small, so if you play a Cloudfin Raptor and then you play like a 1-1 evolved creature, 
you're going to be evolving the Raptor. But then if you play like another one one, you're you're not going to evolve anything. You know. True. Yeah. I mean. So you need to have those other creatures, those bigger creatures, to enable your evolve. It's good. I feel like it's going to be a lot like Populate, where you need the evolved creatures, but you also need just like a handful of creatures that are kind of big on their own. You know. Yeah. Bring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I could see like having like a one drop, two drop, three drop, four drop, all with ha- the evolve keyword, and so like, like maybe it's not explosive, but it is like just this thing where if you have like three or four evolve guys out, like you play one creature, and all of a sudden, all yeah. your guys are massive. You're glorious, Anthony, like, your whole team, yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but. but I mean, it's a one mana for an O one, so it takes. It, I'd say it takes two evolves before Cloudfin Raptor is anything exciting, because a one two flying is not exciting. Yeah, you don't want to play that card. No. With that but, said, if you can routinely get this to two three for a single blue mana, that seems fine to me. It seems very playable. Oh yeah, and I mean, I think this guy will be played in most every deck because I think it's going to be really easy to get him that big. Um, yeah. The other thing is, they're getting plus one, plus one counters, and Simic is known for being able to do things with plus one, plus one counters, which uh, a couple cards spoiled so far have shown that off, so I'm hoping to see more of those. Or maybe I'm not, but <laughs> depending <laughs> on how good Evolve is. But it's not, they're not just getting bigger, they might be giving, getting, you know, giving you some kind of weird advantage from a different card you play. Yeah, we'll see some of that, one of those soon. Uh, what's next? A uh, card we will talk a lot about. <laughs> Enter the Infinite. It costs 12 mana. 8 colorless and 4 blue. Let's just move on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'll say what it does. Sorcery. It's a mythic. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your library. Then put a card from your hand on top of your library. You have no maximum hand size until your next turn. Uh, it's never, ever going to be cast limited. Passing. Yeah, we're not going to play this card. Next up no. is Gridlock. This is an instant uncommon X and a blue, tap X non-land permanence. I'm not too excited by this, but effects like this are occasionally playable. Yeah, it's like a Bluster Squall. Right. I think it's probably worse than Bluster Squall. It might be better, I don't know. It's. I think it's equal, I don't know. You can tap non-land things with it, which is cool, so you can hit like key runes and... I don't know, maybe... There can't be that much. Maybe an artifact. We didn't see many artifacts in Return to Ravnica, though. No. I, I foresee it just tapping dudes and probably tapping, like, two or three of them. Yeah, you could tap a Gideon with it. Could. Anyway, uh, what's next? <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Unless it's well, if a it's creature. attacking you, yeah. Well, then it's a creature. I don't know. So who cares? I mean, still still on creatures. land. It's also a creature. It can still say creatures and do the same thing. Anyway, next card, Hands of Binding. One colorless and one blue for a sorcery. Tap target creature and opponent controls. That creature does not untap during its controller's next untap step. And now we get the... Um, Demir. Shit, Demir, that's what I was like. What the fuck killed this? Uh, the Demir keyword, Cypher. Uh, it says, then you may exile this spell card encoded on a creature you control. Whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player, its controller may cast a copy of the encoded card without paying its mana cost. 
Yeah, so this is kind of interesting. So you get the the main effect, the tap target creature doesn't untap during its mm-hmm. controller's next tap step. You get that regardless, and then you essentially imprint it or exile it underneath one of your creatures. Mm-hmm. They call it encoding. Which is kind of weird, because they've called it imprinting. But I guess because the keyword was imprint. But Right, I want to talk about that in a second. But just this card in general, like how playable do you think it is? Playable. Seems good. Yeah, I don't know if it seems good, but it definitely seems decent. Well, so I'm not positive how this works. So if you hands of binding and then cipher it onto a creature and attack and deal them damage and target the same thing, does it not untap for two turns? Nope, because it just says next. Okay. Controller's next untap step. But you could essentially hit another creature that maybe they attacked with on the previous turn, so you're tapping down two of their dudes until end of turn. That's true. Um, but I was thinking, like, I know that time walks work in that if you cast two in a turn, you're, you get two additional turns. It says take an extra turn after this one, but you actually are getting the two turns. Really? Yeah. If you if you cast time walk twice in a turn, you get three turns, essentially. Huh. Well, so. I guess, well, that makes more sense to me because you're... You're not, it doesn't, there's no next there. It just says after this one, take an additional turn. So you're yeah. going to have additional, additional. This just says, uh, like target a creature. On the next. On yeah, the next. on the next one. So you know exactly which one that's referring to when you cast it. Right. But yeah, so you could, I mean, you can cast it and tap two things down is what I'm thinking, which seems awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and it kind of, and that's another one where it can kind of snowball to an extent. Mm-hmm. This card specifically, because, Part of getting through with your creatures is having all their creatures tapped down. Right. So it seems fine. I think that these in these cipher cards are going to be better on just evasive dudes in general. Like that. That's no great analysis or anything. But <laughs> why is that, Craig? I know. Well, the value the value of these cards is going to be kind of inherent or or dependent upon the um, the number of playable evasive creatures and playable you know, trample creatures, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I'm looking at Cloudfriend Raptor right now. Yeah. I mean, that's... like a target. Seems like a plan. You got to get your Cloudfriend Raptor up to a 1-2 before it'll work. But <laughs> That's true. Now, the thing I wanted to talk about is a lot of people have complained about how the keyword is Cypher, but then it says to encode it on a creature you control. And people have said, well, why don't you just call the keyword encode? Because that sounds sci-fi-ish. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think it has to do with the fact that they're leaving the door open to allow you to encode spells on creatures or other things with other with keywords. other keywords beyond cipher in the future. So like errata imprint to say encode them? Yeah, or I, I don't think they'd go that far because imprint is imprint, like we all know what that does. Yeah, it's been in multiple sets now. And but this this seems like something where yeah, they could have different types of abilities, like things you cost you do from the graveyard that encode onto creatures or now, encode, encode onto artifacts. Like you notice, it says Cipher says encode onto a creature you control, but they could have something else that encodes onto artifacts with a different keyword. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I don't know. I think a lot of people have com- been complaining about it, but I mean, who cares? Those know people how- care too much about flavor. No. If if like you know how the card works, what does it matter? Like get over yourselves. Yeah, um, it is interesting to say, well, it's probably not interesting, it's interesting to me to say that uh, the um, back 
in the original Ravnica block, the second set had a keyword that you kind of did a similar thing to cards where you haunted creatures. And that doesn't happen that often where you, like, put another card under another card. It's just interesting that they yeah. coincide in that way. But that is weird. I didn't think about that. Uh, I don't know. Next up, Rapid Hybridization. This is an uncommon instant. It costs a single blue mana. It says, destroy target creature. It can't be regenerated. That creature's controller puts a 3-3 green frog lizard creature token onto the battlefield. So this is essentially a functional reprint of Pongify, if anybody remembers playing with that card. You destroy something, and that person or that creature's controller gets a 3-3. Yeah. I don't Um, think frog lizard is going to be relevant. I mean, these cards are... (laughs) They're so... So this is my favorite thing about Simic is they have the most ridiculous... Like, every creature has a different... Multiple different types. Like, bird mutant, frog lizard, merfolk wizard. Like, if you just go to the gold cards, there's even more ridiculous ones. Like, there's some, like, weird ooze stuff going on. It's awesome. (laughs) I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's fun. But as far as just the playability of this card, it tends to be pretty playable because, at the very least, you can always cash in a 1-1 or a 2-2 for a 3-3. Yeah. At and, kind of, speed. and you can ambush, yeah. Yeah, but... It's kind, kind of like a worse version of Beast Within for Limited. Right. You you often will just be... You'll side this card in when you see your opponent has some bomb that you can't deal with otherwise. You'll right. be like, oh, you have an angel that gives all your creatures lifelink every turn. I'm going to let you not have that and have a 3-3 instead. Right. So. Yeah, I, I actually prefer Pongify myself because turning people into monkeys is way cooler. Yeah. I'm an Avnum answer man myself. <laughs> you like turning people into sheep? Yes. That card was so terrible. But... Fuck you. <laughs> it was! You had to like, I don't know, you had to jump through like eight hoops to, to turn something into a sheep. Hey, pretty... sheep have to jump over like fences all night long just so everybody can go to sleep. <laughs> he was also like a four mana one one or something. I don't know. Oh one. Oh one. Yeah. Pretty sure. Fuck power. Yeah. I turn people into sheep. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> uh, next card is Simic Flux Mage. Two colorless and a blue for a Merfolk Wizard. This is an uncommon. Uh, it has our sweet Evolve mechanic, and it is a 1-2, so it's going to be pretty easy to bump that up at the start. Um, and it has an ability that is one colorless, one blue. Tap it to move a plus one, plus one counter from the Flux Mage onto target creature. So it's like a... What's it like? <laughs> Fuck. It's like something that makes plus one, plus one counters a lot. Yeah. And moves them around and then gets more because it's gotten smaller and so you can evolve it more. This card seems very good to me. Yeah, it seems awesome. Because you're almost always going to be able to get that next counter, assuming that your opponent just doesn't kill this thing on sight. Yeah, I mean, it's very slow, but... Uh... Yeah, it's not that slow, though. I um, mean... It is every, every trying car- to move... Crew- counters and i don't know yeah and cast creatures i guess that's right but one of the things i really like about this card is that unlike a lot of creatures with activated abilities that we see these days the activated cost on this is pretty affordable at just a colorless and a blue right yeah it's not bad at all like you think about aqua steed where you have to tap four <laughs> mana and tap it to like give something minus two minus oh until end of turn. It, was, it was three mana but it was a it cost four to play yeah and this, I don't know, everything you cast after this on turn four is probably going to give it a counter. Yeah. 
and for an extra like two mana after that, you can start moving those counters around. I think that's good. I think this card is very powerful. Yeah. You think uh, we'll see a reprint of um, that stupid <laughs> card? What am I trying to say? Uh, the card, the double doubling season. Oh, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I know. People... They probably don't want to like kill that card's value on the on the <laughs> secondary market. I guess. Uh, anyway, next up is Stolen Identity. It's a sorcery. It costs four colors and two blue. It's a rare. It says put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target artifact or creature, and it has cipher. So then you may exile it, encode it onto a creature, and if the creature deals combat damage, you Still get fire. to copy the spell again, which is pretty unreal if you get this thing going. <laughs> Stolen Identity is... <clears throat> ridiculous like this card seems ridiculous do you think wizards will do like a marketing campaign with this and that new uh jason bateman movie that's coming out <laughs> i'm i can 100 percent guarantee that they will yeah there'll be like all sorts of like magic references in that movie that would be so <laughs> sweet with uh, melissa mccarthy yeah mccarthy and bateman will just like sit down and like play a game of commander in the middle of the movie Oh god. No, I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be God, why do you got to crush my dreams? Probably the highlight of at least my year. Oh, possibly my life. Yeah. But um this card it, seems pretty good. I mean, at the very least it's just you get to clone something for 6 mana, which is kind of expensive cuz we're used to being able to clone things for 4 mana. Well, not only at the very least you get to clone something for 6 mana, you get to clone something for 6 mana and have that thing whenever it deals combat damage duplicate itself. Yeah. So to a player, anyway. duplicate anything like duplicate the newest best creature on the board. Oh, so right. it's it scales up too. Jesus, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so this card seems very powerful. It, it all just kind of depends on how easily it's going to be to to get through get through with your encoded creatures. Yeah. Yep. Seems I like a first on... seems like a first pick to me though. Oh yeah, easy. just because the potential for like outrageousness is definitely there. I think that clones in general. Have always been good. Uh, they've always been four mana, so that's a thing. But they've never had this kind of upside. And by never, I mean that's a lie. Uh, there sure. was that one that had that kicker cost. That yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely replication. Yeah, that's the one. That so, one had a bigger upside than this. Actually, quick question: If there was a way we could cast this card at instant speed, what would happen if you copied a an animated Gideon? <laughs> Your brain would explode? Yeah. Uh, MCGO would blow up your entire computer. I, I, you would, you'd get, you'd get Gideon at the end of the day. Or no. What would you do if you copy? Oh, the, so for the, the first copy is a Gideon, is what you're saying. Yeah. Or, yeah. So like, it, if it would I, just, it would just exile the, the other Gideon. It would exile both Gideons. Oh, right. It would just, they just yeah. legend rule each other. Yeah. Ah, well, I mean, that's still kind of cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. That would, yeah kill it real good so so better example what if you did this to someone animates their key rune to block one of your creatures during combat your attack phase and you after combat there let's say their their key rune survives you uh-huh. stole an identity it you copy it do you just get like if it's a rakdos key rune do you just get a 3-1 first strike permanently uh and it also makes mana pretty sure oh really but it won't turn back into just a straight artifact will it no It'll be it'll be a creature that just makes mana. It'll be kind of sweet. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah. There's a forcing the issue right there. A stolen identity Kiru deck. 
That is an absurd deck. Yep. All right. We spent enough time on Yeah, let's trail. go. Sorry. We need to. Uh, next card, Crypt Guest. Oh, we're on to black, by the way. There's only two cards here. You love this card. Oh, I do. Uh, next card, Crypt Guest. This is a rare. Three colors and a black for a spirit. He's a 2-2. Four mana for a 2-2. That's not that good. Nope. Oh, but it has Extort. Oh, you love it. Oh, four mana for a 2-2 with Extort. That's still not that good. <laughs> ah, but whenever you tap a Swamp for mana, you may add an additional black to your mana pool. So, pff, extort for days. So, day. <laughs> this seems, like, less impressive for the, like, ability to extort a bunch and m- more just, like, an awesome ramp card to me. Yeah, just to play a massive spell. For sure. Uh, I'm more excited to pay more extort. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I really want to resolve Enter the Infinite. This oh, card's going to help dude. me get there. Yeah, because there's... I'm pretty sure Enter the Infinite would kill you almost every time. Yeah. I don't know. It's really too bad. I mean, well, not. I I guess you get two turns after you cast it, including the turn you cast. Yeah, assuming that there are no Demir cards that mill you. Oh, wait. (laughs) There might be. There might be some of those in this set. A good card to actually have with this is... The next one. card, Greg. Gateway Shade. This is another creature. This one's uncommon. It's two colors and a black for a 1-1. And he's got the typical shade ability that says Gateway Shade gets plus one plus one until end of turn for every black mana you spend. But you can also tap an untapped gate you control. Gateway Shade gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So, oh bam! I don't think this is any better than a normal shade, really. No, nope. it's a little bit better. A little bit. But that's yeah. it. I foresee this card getting not very much play in this set and when the full block comes out to never see the light of day. See, I think it's pretty decent. It's just like a frozen shade with a little a little bit of upside. <laughs> but it's very small upside. I don't yeah, know. I mean, do you like the crypt shade better than this or whatever that one's called? The oh god, the O four where you pay two mana to give it plus two plus two? Yeah, I do. Just because uh, that's a better base creature? And, well, yeah, and because I don't plan on having a bunch of swamps, I plan on having many different colors of mana. But we we talked about this earlier. In Return to Ravnica, we kind of figured out eventually that two-color decks are where you wanted to be. Sure, sure, okay. I, I But even with that fact, like, you're never going to tap all your mana to pump a gateway shade up to massive. You could definitely tap all your mana to pump whatever the hell he's called. Yeah. See, the, the thing I like... The thing I like about this one is that it's a very good target for Cypher cards. Because they're not going to want to block Gateway Shade. No one ever wants to block a Shade. If That's anything, true. like, most of the time you when a Shade's attacking you, it's like, okay, I'll take it. How much are you going to pump? Like, are you going to waste your turn, like, to deal me damage? Yeah. And with this card, it's like, well, if it's got something encoded on, it's like, well, fuck. Now do I need to just block and give up a creature? Or mm-hmm. can I afford to take a bunch of damage and allow him to get a free spell? Yeah, I mean, and the other thing to be noted comparing the two shades from the last set is that you can't you can't fake it with the uh, with the shade in uh, the current set in that you can't attack and then have them be like, okay, I'm just gonna take it. You you have to pump at that point, or else yeah, you have to spend why did you attack? Like, what was the point? You're just tapping your blocker, so it's there's no like faking them out. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have to spend at least two to deal some amount of damage. 
So I don't know. I think this card's playable. I don't. I'm not excited about it, but just as a curve filler, I think he'd be fine. Yeah. I probably won't play very much. What's next? Hellkite Tyrant, a mythic, four colors and two red for a six-five flying trample. Already good enough. Whenever it heals combat damage, you player gain control of all artifacts that player controls. Probably not relevant at all. <laughs> at the beginning of your upkeep, if you win, if you control twenty or more artifacts, you win the game. Totally relevant. Oh, it's gonna happen every game. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> all right, moving on. Well, I mean, it's a six-five flying trample for six. I think you're still gonna be very excited to play this card. Oh hell! I mean, that's uh, isn't there a dragon currently with Unleash that's just strictly worse than this? I think so. Yeah. Chaos Imps. Yeah, that's it. Chaos anyway. Imps. Skullcrack is next. This is an uncommon. It's an instant. It costs a colorless and a red. Players can't gain life this turn. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Skullcrack deals three damage to target player. So this What's is def- constructed. Yeah, this is definitely a constructed card. You will play it in the most aggressive aggro decks, but I think that's about it. Will you? Well, the other the other thing I would say it's is a if lava you're playing spike straight up. Yeah, but if you're playing against like an extort heavy opponent, like this might come in out of the board. Might. It's yeah, I'm not excited about playing this, but I could see a scenario where I would run it. I guess if it's lava spiking, then it's worth it. Or, or lava spiking? No, if it's fuck lava axing. Or, or flame rifting or something. I don't know what flame rift does. Four damage to each of your opponents. Okay. Anyway. If it's flame rifting, I'm not that excited. Okay, moving on. I mean, with well, let me hold on. Let's say this: one extort trigger. If you play this card, I guess in response to them in an obvious extort situation, you are essentially lava axing them, or it's a five point damage swing. Like they don't get to deal you a damage, they don't get to gain a life, and you deal them three damage. Why don't they deal you damage? Mm, you're right. Okay. Flame Rift. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, next card. Tin Street Market. Four colorless and a red. This is a common. It is an aura. And it is one of those special enchant lands that we keep seeing in these sets. Uh, enchanted land has tap, discard a card, colon, draw a card. The new red looting mechanic that they're going to keep printing forever now. Rummaging. Is that what they call it? I don't know. That was, wasn't that goblin, a rummaging goblin? The one in M13? God, I don't know. Yeah. Possibly. Anyway, this is like the first enchant land I think I've ever been excited about. Are you legitimately excited, or are you just I'm like, excited to see how playable this card is. You want to hear my guess? What's your guess? Not playable. See, I think it is playable. I wouldn't want to run more than one. I mean, the guilds in this are Gruul and Boros. Like, aggressive guilds. Exactly. All the more reason to want to cash in things for your, like, your late drop lands, like the lands you draw late in the game. If it was on, like, a two or three mana spell, sure. It's a five mana spell. I I mean, that's the, that's the limiting reagent in this chemical equation, you know? Like, is that five mana going to be worth it? I don't know. Probably not, but I I can't wait to try this card. I'm not going to lie. If I was a betting man, I would bet money, lots of money, that this card is unplayable. Okay. And by lots of money, I mean like a dollar. I don't think you're wrong, but I also think that, that like if you went into a casino and that was on the board, that would be the favorite. Like You'd have to bet a lot to win a little. Whereas, like, there is, like, a good, or not a good long, there's no such thing as a good long shot, but there's a long shot bet that 
could hit where this card is playable. Right. I mean, I just see, like, if if one of the red guilds was not all about attacking, I would be like, hey, this could be a fun, dirtily late-game thing. But the fact that the two keywords for both Gruul and Boros say attacking creatures makes me not like this. So you're saying for five mana, like, if you're going to cast a spell, you'd rather just cast, like, a 3-3 than this card? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that it gives those super, like, hyper-aggressive decks a little bit of extra late-game play, you know? Like, if you do run out of gas and you start drawing lands, if you haven't won the game, you're probably just going to lose at that point. If you have this on one of your lands, you might be able to win that game. That's all I'm saying. How about this? Did did you really like the the four mana hasted creature that could do this in Avacyn Restored? Yes, I did. Mad Prophet, I love that card. Like like a really high pick, because it's like three turns faster than this, and it doesn't constrain your mana, and it's a creature. It's like instantly. It's, two, it's only two turns faster. I hyperbolized the amount of turns that it was faster. By but <laughs> it's it's not it's definitely not as good. I'm not I'm not saying that this card is as good as that card. Like but, I thought that that card was a low pick in that draft format because uh, see, I picked that higher than most people. Yeah, well, just all the other creatures were so much more synergistic. But uh, anyway, like it was a solid card. I liked it, but yeah. it, it's just so much better than this. And sure, I look at this and I'm like, ah, ugh. I do so not deny that. Slow. Right. No, I mean I, I get it. I, I admit that this card is probably terrible. Okay. But I. It's on record now, Greg. Can't yeah. take it back. Can't take it back. Anyway, next up, Vyoshin or Shanktail. This is a uncommon creature. Three colors and a red for a 3-1. Vyoshino Warrior. It has first strike. And this is our first instance of the Gruul keyword, Blood Rush. And Blood Rush says, like, it's it's Blood Rush, hyphen, and a mana cost. On this, it's two colors and a red. Discard Vyoshino Shanktail. Target attacking creature gets plus three, plus one, and gains first strike until end of turn. So... Essentially, Blood Rush takes any creature that has that ability and turns it into a pump spell that copies the power and toughness and also any uh, keyword abilities like First Strike, Trample, etc. So because this is a 3-1 First Strike, if you Blood Rush it, the attacking creature you're targeting with Blood Rush gets plus 3, plus 1, and First Strike until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be cast as a pump spell like 80% of the time. See, I think this is a good creature too, though. A four mana for a three one first strike is pretty pretty good. Yeah, it's solid. I yeah. just the yeah, I don't know. Pump spells are so good nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but the thing with Blood Rush is that if if you have a lot of Blood Rush creatures in your deck, then you're gonna have to cast some of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's and true. as we'll see as we go further down through these cards, this a lot one's of the much more cast. Yeah, this one is much more castable as a creature than some of the other ones we're gonna get to. Yeah. But I, I like this guy. He seems good. Yeah, totally. I think this is a pretty solid four drop. Yeah, well, any card that gives you options uh, and versatility as far as, like, what do I, yeah. do I want a 3 on first striker or do I want a pump spell in my attacking creature? Um, yeah. It is important to note that it's only attacking creatures that Blood Rush can target. So you don't get to use this on defense. You don't get to use this to save creatures from damage-based removal, like, in your main phase. Yep. It's pretty it's narrow. Pretty damn narrow, which is unfortunate because I foresee that meaning this format might be a little too aggressive, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, next up, 
Next up, green cards. Experiment 1, which is a very interesting name for a magic card. But uh, anyway, it's one green, uncommon, human ooze. That's the weird one, human <laughs> ooze. Uh, and it's a 1-1. One, one. It has evolve, as we've heard multiple times before. And it has removed two plus one plus one counters from it to regenerate it. The art on this card is sweet. Oh, yeah. It's like a weird squid man. It's a human ooze. <laughs> Obviously. He's got a skeleton, and he's also a ooze. Yep. Yeah, that is... My brain is I, broken. I fucking... Like, the next fucking card's a crocodile frog. <laughs> These cards are so awesome. Yeah. The, the thing I... Kind of bugs me about this card, just from a flavor perspective, and you know how much I care about flavor, Jeff. <laughs> Not at all. Is the fact that it's like... It's called Experiment 1. Like, shouldn't it be legendary? Uh, like how many experiment ones can you have? It should have another piece of uh, text on it that says, if this is the second experiment one you've cast this game, the, t- the name of the card becomes experiment yeah. two. Exile, so- exile this copy of experiment one and put a <laughs> creature token onto the battlefield that's a copy of experiment one named experiment two. Or experiment... Yeah, why didn't they put that in the text box? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> No, it's an interesting name for a card on a fantasy game because it sounds so sci-fi to me. Simic is kind of all about that, though. They're like the... Yeah, they're the scientists of... Right. Ravnica. Biology and all that stuff. They're the exact opposite of Orzhov, which is the religious. So this card seems good, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, a one-mana, one-one evolve is good enough, and then it can regenerate for a fairly steep cost, but yeah. Like having, comparing, that, 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 oh god, we keep talking <laughs> over each other. Comparing this one drop to the uncommon, um, what's it called, battalion one drop. Like I like this card much Way more. Better, yeah. They're both uncommons, but this one, like as soon as you play another creature, essentially it's going to be a two-two for one permanently. Yeah. Like. Oh, man, that seems good. It's much, much better, yes. Yeah. Uh, next up is Croconura. This is Jeff's fabled crocodile frog. <laughs> uh, common. Two colors and a green for a 1-3 reach evolve. So yeah. I guess they they had to make it a frog so that it could have reach, and they had to make it a crocodile so it could evolve. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I think because it's a croconura, all oh, that picture is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it looks just like a crocodile frog to me. I know. Um, I like this guy a lot because he's a 1-3 with this evolve mechanic at 3 mana. So it's like it's going to pump your other evolve guys because of the 3 butt on it. It's also going to get evolved quickly because it's got a low power. Yeah. This is like the perfect storm of evolved creatures. This might be like one of the top green commons just because just, of that. Yeah, because it's too synergistic with the keyword evolve. Yeah, and it has evolve itself. Mm-hmm. So these will these will be pretty good in multiples. Well, maybe not multiples, but well, yeah, it's solid in multiples. I mean, I don't know. It, it evolves itself, and then you have two evolved guys out once you play. I no, mean, you can't evolve another Croconura with this Croconura. Like if you have a Croconura in play and you play another one, they don't. Oh yeah, sorry, you're right. I'm... But still, if you're evolving everything else and occasionally these get bigger, like that's pretty good. I think that's probably a high pick. Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's be- like a, a good deal better than Giant Spider. 
Yeah, and I think that Reach will probably be especially good in this format because of Cypher. Yeah. The ability to block flyers seems very crucial, especially to green decks where that's something you often need. Yeah, and they often do that because they are green. Yeah. What's next? Next, Skarg Goliath. Uh, this is a hey, uh, rare. Six colorless and two green. That's eight mana. That's a lot. For Beast, it is a 9-9. Nine, nine. It has Trample. Uh, and it has Blood Rush, the gruel keyword. Five colorless and two green, so one less than casting it. You can discard it and give target attacking creature plus nine plus nine, plus nine plus nine and Trample. Yet again, another card. This this is the card that is 99% of the time going to be cast as or not cast and blood rushed instead because it's going to end the game. Yeah, because when you blood rush, you're just going to win. Yeah, every time, and it happens a turn before you can cast it. So. Yeah, I mean, but would you pick this card highly? I don't know if I would. No, I, I definitely have to build the deck around it, kind of like the um, big ass spell green spells in. Um, the set that we're currently drafting, Return to Ravnica. Yeah, you need some type of ramp like your Axeman Guardian. Guardians, etc. Okay. Yeah, and we don't know what that is yet because we only have three green cards. So. All right. Well, let's get into multicolor cards. First up is Alms Beast. This is a rare creature. It's a beast. Two colorless, black, and white for a 6-6. Six, six. All creatures blocking or blocked by Alms Beast have lifelink. Yeah, that seems quite good. Super efficient creature, but mm-hmm. you're going to let your opponent gain some life if they want to trade with this or chump it. I think that's I think you'll still play this card pretty much every time if you're black white. Oh, absolutely. I Yeah, I think it's quite good. Um Yeah, I mean a 4 mana 6/6. Six, six, that's just it's too big to to not play unless it said like take 6 during your upkeep. Yeah. And the fact that this is in the extort colors, where you're going to be draining them for life, means that if they if they have some creatures that have lifelink occasionally, like you're probably okay with that. Yeah, you're a slow, grindy deck, and yeah. them gaining some life is not the end of the world, for sure. All right, let's keep going. Uh, next card, Aurelia, the war leader. This is the Boros bad mythic monster. Uh, she costs two colorless, two red, and two white. Um, and is a 3-4 angel, legendary angel. Um, she has flying, vigilance, and haste. And whenever she attacks for the first time each turn, untap all creatures you control after that phase, there's an additional combat phase. Uh, pretty absurd. This card seems unreal. Yeah. I mean, the turn you cast it, you're getting two combat phases and a 3-4 flying, vigilance, haste angel. And uh, assuming you have any other creatures that can get through that probably ends the game that turn. I think this is an easy first pick. Because and... that's a ridiculous amount of damage. Like, Yeah. Absurd. We don't need this, to talk a whole lot about this card. No, this seems like better than all the all the ones from Return to Ravnica that cost this similar mana cost. Like, better than Asperia, better than than the, the 255 Worms. Although that one's close. But it seems ridiculous. Well, Armada Worm wasn't legendary, right? That wasn't the card that this is kind of. No, it is. In I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not legendary, but it is the same cycle, I think. Okay. Like each same. each guild has like a guild leader. This is the red white guild leader, 
the green white yeah. guild leader was the populate uh, lady. That's true. I guess that's the same cycle. But I mean, it, I don't know. But if, you, if you're comparing mana cost to mana cost, yeah, I'd say this is probably as good, if not better, than an Armada Worm. And that's saying something because Armada Worm was silly good. Yeah. This this card seems like maybe the best card in the set. I don't know. That's been spoiled so far. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I it's, don't know. It's maybe a tough not. mana cost. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let's let's keep going. Uh, Biovisionary is next. One. <laughs> Green, blue for a human wizard. It's a rare. It's a 2-3, and at the beginning of the end step, if you control four or more creatures-themed Biovisionary, you win the game. Man, so, huge combo with Stolen Identity yes, right here. <laughs> huge combo with Jason Bateman. <laughs> this is the Melissa McCarthy to Stolen Identity's Jason Bateman. Oh, God, together at last. <laughs> Alright. So it's a two three for three. I think you'll play that. Um eh. Would you? I mean for three, but it's like a difficult mana cost? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be pretty it's, it's a curve filler. Yeah, it's a curve filler. Yeah. You're never gonna have four. <laughs> but if you do, you've done something right. If you do, you win the game. <laughs> yeah. I do like that it's at, I, this is, has nothing to do with limited, but I do like that it's at the beginning of the end step instead of upkeep, so you don't have to wait that agonizing turn where it's like, am I going to win with those cards that say you win during your upkeep? Yeah, you got to get your mirror. I hate that open. shit. I want my automatic win immediately. <laughs> All, right. All right. Keep going. Uh, Borborigmos. Borborigmos. Enraged. He, this guy, this guy used to be in, uh, the other set. Yeah, but now he's enraged. But now he's pissed off. Um, he's a mythic. He costs four colorless, two red and two green. He's Mr. Gruel, commander. And he's a 7-6 legendary cyclops. He has trample. Surprise. He's he's kind of Mr. Trample. Uh, whenever Braga Braga Ross enraged <laughs> okay, deals, com- <laughs> deals combat damage. Whenever Burglar of Willis uh, <laughs> deals combat damage, throwback Reveal the top three cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Discard a land card. He deals three goddamn damage to a creature player. This is so much better than that one seismic assault card. Yeah. Right? You should get a 7-6 trample with it. You do have to spend seven mana to get him out, though. Eight. Try again. Oh, eight? (laughs) He's never being cast. No, I mean... I don't know. This again is one of those cards where, just like the Scar Goliath, I'm gonna I, I require ramp to put this in my deck. And but if I can cast it, it's like World Spine Worm ridiculousness. Yeah, I mean, how uh, like how often would you take this deck? And maybe you didn't have a lot of ramp. Maybe let's say you had one or two ramp cards. Would you just run 18 lands and run this card? I think you'd do that just because this card is so good if it hits the table. It de- it completely depends on the aggressive nature of the format. Okay, that's fair. All right, let's keep going. All right. Next up, Call of the Nightwing. Two colorless, a blue and a black for an uncommon sorcery. Put a 1-1 one, one blue-black horror creature token with flying onto the battlefield, and it has Cypher. So you get a 1-1 one, one flyer, and then if you connect with the encoded creature, you can get more 1-1 one, one flyers. Uh, first, I want to say the picture does not look like Dick Grayson. Yeah, what's up with that? Second, uh, in real information land, 
you can you can cipher the token you put into play. So that's oh. kind of cool on this card because it puts a an evasive creature into play. Yeah, build your own little what you call it bitter blossom. Exactly. So yeah, again, it, this I don't know how good these cipher cards are going to be, like how often you're going to be able to connect with them, but this one does have that advantage of built-in evasion to it. Mm-hmm. This one seems pretty good. I think this one's going to be a solid pick. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical just because a 1-1 one, one flyer like doesn't attack through anything at all. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. It. Yeah, maybe right. Even if they connect one time with the encoded creature, they just get one more 1-1 one, one flyer. Like, it does have the opportunity to get out of hand, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, eh. Eh. Uh, next up. Uh, Clan Defiance. This is a sorcery. It is a rare. Cost X, red, and green. Choose one or more. Clan Defiance deals X damage to target creature with flying. Coming in at number two, Clan Defiance deals X damage to target creature without flying. And number three, Clan Defiance deals X damage to target player, which I assume you will never not choose. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? This card is awesome. Yeah, this is... this. Okay, I said... I did... Yeah, I, I'm eating my words right now. This card is probably better than Aurelia, the war leader. Really? Oh my god, dude. I think it's they're a, both very good. I don't know if I could... It's a fireball that also kills maybe <laughs> two more creatures. Definitely one more creature. Like, that's absurd. Yeah, it's branching bolt on steroids. It's big, big steroids. I don't know. I mean, again, like, you're going to want to spend, like, at least five on this. But, I don't know. If you are branching bolting, like, to maximum efficiency, that's that's pretty huge. And if you're doing it at the end of the game when you have, like, eight mana, it's like, bam! It's like a yeah. goddamn, uh, what's that card that miracles and murders everything? Oh, yeah. Uh, bonfire. Bonfire, yeah, it's kind of yeah, like It's not that. quite as good as Bonfire, but it is very good. No. I think it's an easy first pick. Yeah. Next up is Consuming Aberration. This is a rare horror creature. Costs three colors, a blue and a black. It's a star star. The Consuming Aberration's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your opponent's graveyards. Whenever you cast a spell, each opponent reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a land card, then puts those cards into his or her graveyard. Oh, what's up, EDH? Yeah, (laughs) definitely an EDH-style card. I do think it's playable, because by the time you hit five mana, they could have, like, three cards in the graveyard, and then every spell you cast is going to grow this guy. Grow him pretty huge, yeah. So, I I think it's solid. It does walk that weird line between, are you trying to mill them, or are you trying to kill them with a gigantic consuming aberration? Like, I don't know. Pretty sure you're killing them. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's going to get real big real fast if you are milling them. Yeah. And so, it, it depends on the style, or, like, I guess it depends on how many other mill cards are in the format. Like, if you can build around the milling aspect of this card, like, if you're casting milling spells to mill them with Consuming Aberration, like, that could get out of hand pretty fast, too. Yeah, there's a pretty, there's, like, an ultimate Timmy mill card coming up later. So, there's that, but it's, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, so, I mean, this guy's fine. I don't think he's necessarily a first pick, but he's a fine blue-black creature. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep going. All right, Death Pact Angel. This is a mythic. 
three colorless white black black for a five five um angel creature with flying. When it dies, put a one one white and black cleric creature token onto the battlefield. It has three colorless white black black tap sacrifice this creature, return a card named Death Pact Angel from your graveyard to the battlefield. So he gets a little like um priest that can be like, hey, I'm gonna summon you from the dead every time it dies. This card seems pretty good. Yeah, it's a five five flying that's pretty hard to kill. Yeah, there aren't a whole lot of cards that say exile target creature in this format. Yeah. This that's is it's gonna I mean you're gonna have to kill the angel and then you're gonna have to kill the cleric before your opponent untaps with it in play and and has the mana to recast it, recast the angel, essentially. Yeah, and they'll have the mana because they cast it in the first place. Right. So, yeah, that card seems good. I like it. Probably easy first pick. Uh, Next up is our first charm, Demir Charm. Blue-black, uncommon instant. Choose one. Counter target sorcery spell or destroy target creature with power two or less. Or look at the top three cards of target player's library and put one back and the rest in that player's graveyard. This is fine. I don't like it as much as some of the other charms. Oh, really? I think that the third ability is very good. Really? Yeah. Why? It's like a sweet impulse where you get to put things in the graveyard. But do you care about putting things in the graveyard in this format? I mean, maybe you don't, but at the same time, like, oftentimes the the worst brainstorm effects, like the worst look at the top of your library and put them back in any order, is the fact that you, like, have to put back cards that you don't want. Whereas this card is, like, you look at the top three, it's very rare that all three of the cards you want to draw are going to be there in, like, some order, you know? Yeah. So I think I mean, being able to, like, because you're not only drawing the best card out of the top three of your library, you're also digging three cards deeper in your library to get to other cards in your deck. The key difference between all the cards you're comparing it to right now is the fact that all those other cards say draw a card. Well, I mean, hold on, this doesn't say... Oh, shit. Okay, you're right. For some reason, I thought it, I thought it said put one into your hand. I just was thinking about this all wrong. No. Okay, I, yeah, that's not as good. No. It's, in, it's inherent card disadvantage. So yep. I don't like it's it's very similar it's actually extremely similar to uh the the bah, <laughs> is it charms third ability that is right draw two discard two pretty rarely used but yeah yeah I mean I've seen that used a lot but this well, is compared this, to the other two modes I think it's pretty rarely used this is not as good as an isn't charm by any stretch but I do think because it's versatile it's still playable like right. the counter sorcery destroy a small creature. It, it actually destroys probably more, well, maybe not more creatures. Than, well, with than Evolve. Charm. But yeah, I mean, it does, it does pretty good against creatures in that it, it's power two or less instead of like, so you can kill things with big butts and small fronts. I like um, big butts. Yeah, I, I can't lie either. <laughs> but um, the countering the sorcery depends on how much sorcery speed removal is in the set, I think. Sure. Uh, for it to be very relevant. Yeah, so. I don't know. I think it's fine. It's not great, but it's playable. Mm-hmm. Next. Our second Planeswalker of the day, Domri Raid, a new face in the magic world. Uh, not that cool looking. Um, 
This is a one colorless, one red, and one green Planeswalker with three loyalty. Uh, so a three-mana Planeswalker. Those are tend to be very good. Plus one, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. Minus two, target creature you control fights another target creature. And minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control have double strike, trample, hexproof, and haste. I don't like him. What? You're crazy. Why? This guy's rad. I mean, he's he's cool. I just, like, for limited play, I don't think he's any great shakes. Oh, I like, I think he's great in limited. I think most of the time you're going to just, like, cast him, make a couple creatures fight. He's an, he's an expensive prey upon to me. He's just like, he's very similar to like Liliana of the Veil vale in that you play it, make them sack a creature, and she's not gonna die because they don't have a way to kill her now. And so then you start, get to start plussing her and maybe get to do it again. And so. Yeah, I think you're stretching with, they're definitely not gonna be able to kill her after that, you know? Cause. I didn't say definitely, I well, said. That, I mean, most likely they won't though. I mean, you're getting a creature off of their board, I'm assuming. I mean, this one's harder to use than than. Yeah, because it requires you to have a better creature than your opponent. For sure. Um, it's not the card. I guess that's the problem with him. He's not a, a uh, get me out of the hole card. He's a cement my position to win card. Yep. Just, I, I I just I, think the plus ability is so irrelevant. Like it'll occasionally let you draw an extra card. Occasionally, and limited, it's gonna let you draw a card. A third of the time? Yeah. That sounds like occasionally to me. <laughs> that's occasionally right. Yeah. And it does nothing otherwise. Like, that's what I don't like about it. It doesn't say, like... it's not. If it were plus two, I think it'd be different, too. Like, if it was plus two for that ability. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. It just I, seems like a, a prey upon with upside, which is fine. Like, it's definitely playable. I just don't know if you want to first pick this card. Um. Which you often do want to do with Planeswalkers. You know what I mean? Right. I think Liliana the Veil was another one of those where... Sure. I think that's I, a great comparison. Yeah. I Yeah. But I loved Liliana the Veil. Like, she was not a an amazing Planeswalker compared to at the general power level of them. But she was a sweet card. I think this is a sweet card. Yeah. I think Liliana had a better plus one, but Domri has a much better ultimate. So... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next up is Drakewing Crassus. It's a 3-1... Lizard Drake with Flying and Trample, and it costs a colorless, a green, and a blue. That's common. And it's a common. This is a sweet little evasive dude. I mean, he's going to trade with things a lot, but at the very least he's trading. He's not just dying. Yeah, this card seems actually pretty awesome um, because three power means that it's probably going to evolve some things, and it's efficiently costed for its abilities. I just, I like it a lot. Trample means that you will often get to cipher things or encode spells. Yeah, if you want to get us one one cipher off before he goes off, goes away. For show, I like him. What's next? Dusk Mantle Guild Mage. This is our blue-black guild mage. Uh, Surprise, it costs (laughs) blue-black. It's human wizard, and it is a 2-2. These are all things you definitely couldn't have guessed. Uh, the abilities are one colorless, one blue, and one black. Uh, 
whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses one life. Two colorless, one blue, one black. Target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So, feeling a little underpowered for a guild mage. Um, yeah, but he's a plan. He's a clock in and of himself, you know? He, he is a finisher in the dirtliest of dirtle decks, for sure. Yeah, he's got that the same feel that like a Vidalcan Entrancer does, that if you give me enough time, I'm just going to beat you with this card. Right. And, uh, hey, if you got seven mana, you can mill them two and make them <sighs> lose two life. So good for seven mana. I uh, gotta hate that. <laughs> I know, that's so bad. The, I mean, the other thing is, is that we know that Demir is gonna have other mill cards, so you're gonna just be milling the shit out of him with this card. For sure, yeah. The, the losing life thing, I would dare to say that if you are using it, you're probably a big dumb stupid. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, there's there'll be corner cases where you'll... It's just gravy is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the second ability is the one you want to be using. Uh, next up is Elusive Crassus. I get another Crassus to talk about. This is oh, a fish mutant. What's mu- creature type? That's the important part. It's a fish mutant. Oh, fish mutant. I gotta look at this picture. It, it better be the orange fish from The Simpsons with the three eyes. Uh, it looks like a merfolk. Ah, uh, what? Uh, anyway, uh, colorless blue, green for an uncommon. It's an 04. It's unblockable. And it's like, oh, great, an unblockable 04. How is that good? Well, it also has Evolve. So if you play things with higher power or toughness, you get to make this guy bigger. Yeah, he's got Cypher written all over him. Yeah, the the tricky thing with this card, though, is that because he has four toughness, you're not going to get to Evolve him based upon that very often. No, it's going to be power. So, yeah, you're going to have to cast cards with higher power than this to Evolve him. But I think that's Which fine. Which is easy to do once. Right. Probably easy to do twice. Maybe a little tougher to do three times. Sure. But that's okay. A 2-6 unblockable, that's a card that I'm happy to play for three mana. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's a fine dude. Let's keep going. All right. Fathom Mage. Two colorless, a green, and a blue for a 1-1 one, one rare creature human wizard. He has Evolve. Um, whenever a plus one, plus one counter is placed on Fathom Mage, you may draw a card. What? That sounds so awesome. Uh, it costs four mana for a 1-1, one, one, though, which is unfortunate. But boy, do I like draw cards. Yep, me too. Yeah, I like this card. I, it's, it's weird because of the cards that have been spoiled so far, the Simic ones are by far the ones I'm most excited to play with. Yeah. Just because the ability seems so kind of fun and synergistic. Yeah, and you have to draft a real... Like, you got to think more when you're drafting. Like yeah. Which creatures you have to take when doing some crazy math in your head. But it's also in the two colors that don't usually get any removal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which is, like, always a red flag for me Unlimited. Yeah. So, I don't know. Next up is Fireman Avenger. This is two colorless, a red, and a white for a rare angel. 3-3 three, three flying. It has Battalion. Whenever Fireman Avenger and at least two other creatures attack, Fireman Avenger deals three damage to target creature player, and you gain three life. So every time you Battalion attack, you get to Lightning Helix something. That's pretty good. This card's very good. I mean, just yeah. a 3-3 three, three flying for four is very good, and then any ability on top of that is is just extra sauce, and this I one is very good. This is like <laughs> yeah. the best sauce ever. This is, I don't know. Lightning Helix sauce. Yeah. Tasty. Which, Man, I want that. It so. burns going down, but it 
gives you a nice glow afterwards. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. That was that was bad. Um, Easy first pick. Next card. Foundry Champion. Four colorless red white. This is a rare four four elemental soldier. That's interesting. Gotta look at this picture. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, when Foundry Champion enters the battlefield, it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of creatures you control. Uh, and it can fire breathe for red and butt breathe for white. Butt breathe. I like that. <laughs> it can fart for white. <laughs> um, this is pretty underwhelming for rare to me, but I guess it's quite good. I mean, it's like a yeah. flame tongue Kavu esque thing happening. Yeah, if it if it just did creature, if it did power or if it did damage equal to its power, <laughs> I'd be much more excited. <laughs> yeah, then it would be a flame tongue Kavu, but better. Yeah, but uh, it's still good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's a rare though. I, I just. It's not exciting to me as a rare card, but as an uncommon, I'd be like, this card's absurd. Yeah, so. this is one of those cards that you're going to be excited to play with if you're the Boros Drafter in a limited set, but then when you get to the rare draft at the end, like this will be the last pick every time. Yep. Because yep. <laughs> it's pretty underwhelming for any sort of constructed or even like commander. Like I don't even know why you'd play that unless you had a token-based strategy. Sure. All right, next up is High Priest of Penance. Black and a white for a 1-1 human cleric. It's a rare. Whenever High Priest of Penance is dealt damage, you may destroy target non-land permanent. Probably only killing one thing. Still pretty good, though. I mean, just as a you play this guy and you have a big stop sign up in front of you, like, don't attack me or you're going to lose your best permanent. Yep, it's kind of like Death Touch, but sweeter. Like, think about if you get to trade this with something with one toughness, too. Like, oh, Jesus. man. Value Town. Value Town, one-way ticket. All right, uh... Next card, Lazav Demir Mastermind. This is the Demir Man. Blue, blue, black, black. 3-3 three, three legendary shapeshifter. Um, he's got the hexproof. Hate People that. hate that keyword, including myself. And me. Um, whenever a creature is put into anywhere an opponent's graveyard... Or what? Huh? <laughs> whenever a creature is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere... You may have Lazy Mastermind become a copy of that card, except its name is still Lazy Mastermind. It's legendary, and it still has Hexproof like a bitch. Seems good. Unfortunate card. <laughs> I mean... Unfortunate card is unfortunate? Yeah. I'm, eh, it's, it's lame sauce, but... Just a 3-3 Hexproof for 4 is annoying. Yeah, but not great. Like, especially yeah. for the mana cost. Of course, it, you know, kind of trading out, or get, getting scary is the scary part. Yeah, if you have a removal spell, you can remove their best creature and have this guy become a copy of that. If you mill them, you can have him become a copy of anything that, they, that you mill. If they yeah. discard a creature, like any of those Blood Rush creatures, this guy can become one of those. Like, God, this guy's really good. Seems pretty solid. Not as good as some of the other cards at this cost. Like, I, I think I like Rakdos more than him. Oh, see, I think I like this card more than Rakdos. Really? I don't have to jump through any hoops to cast him, and he has Hexproof, which is just... Yeah, I really but, think it is one of the like most powerful abilities. It is absurd, yeah. Like, it's but, not fun, it's not fair. I don't know. The body for the for the thing is not... I, I like this... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's good. Yeah. Anyway. 
Mind Grind is up next. Sweet name. X blue black for a sorcery. It's a rare. Each opponent reveals the top of his or her well, top. Oh boy, I pulled it, Jeff. <laughs> Each opponent reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals X land cards. Then puts all cards revealed this way into his or her graveyard. X can't be zero. So yeah, a, this is the Timmy Mill card I was talking about. If you pay four mana, they like they do it until they hit two lands. Two lands, which is the Probably. same as. That's still like a pretty good mill, though. You're probably milling five cards there. Yeah. If you do it for like X equals five, it's an absurd mill. You're going to mill them for a lot. Yeah. Probably, I don't know, 12 or so. Would you rather have, if you're actively trying to mill your opponent, would you rather have this or Glimpse the Unthinkable, which is just blue-black, someone mills 10 cards? Glimpse, I think. Well, yeah. Depends on what, how defensive my deck is like if i can if i feel like i'm gonna easily get to like seven mana every game maybe mind grind okay just thinking that the mind grind's just gonna straight up win you it's gonna mill a few more cards okay uh what's next mystic genesis two colorless green and blue blue for this rare instant Counter target spell, put an XX green ooze creature token onto the battlefield where X is that spell's converted mana cost. So it's like a draining whelk slash mystic snake. I like this card. Yeah, no, I like it too. I don't I, like counter spells very often, but the fact that this can hit any spell and the fact that I get a creature when I cast it means that it's probably just good enough. Yeah. I am interested to know if this could possibly be a constructed card. It seems too expensive expensive to me was draining walk a constructed card mm, only in like the really dirtily control decks That's and that was cool. back when they had access to a lot of good counter spells too like that you could play uh like rune snags and mana leaks at the same time i think there was also a really good draw back then too yeah totally um next up is obzadat ghost council this is the Orzov leader. A colorless, a black, a black, a white, and a white. Mythic, legendary, spirit advisor. Spirit advisor? Okay. <laughs> uh, it's like you go for a palm reading or something. Uh, it's a 5-5. Five, five. When Obzadat enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. At the beginning of your end step, you may exile him. If you do, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. At the beginning of your next upkeep, it gains haste. This card is unreal. Yeah. Slam this card into my pile. Yeah. It's like, uh, if you're not feeling like blocking with him, he's going to be doing lots of damage. He's a 5-5. He drains for two every turn if you want him to. And he dodges sorcery speed removal. Sign me up. Yeah, and you don't have to exile him. Right. That's just, like, you don't have to if you don't want to. If you'd rather just have a 5-5 to block with, go for it. Like, this card is really, really good. Yep. This seems constructed playable to me by, like, like no doubt, you know? You think so? Yeah. Uh, I don't nothing. I know nothing about constructed. Me neither. It just seems like just the raw power of this card is very high. Like, it dodges Wraths. It dodges any other sorcery speed removal. Time is ticking away for you to not know nothing about constructed, by the way. Well, now that these cards are coming out, I'm paying attention, so... That's good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, last note on him. His name is dumb. Obzadat? <laughs> Somebody at the flavor department got lazy 
and just like started pointing at letters. <laughs> Do you think they have like a letter dartboard that they throw at? I, they must for that that'd, card. That'd be great. They're like, okay, we need a vowel. Throw one at the vowel board. You got to know. All right, now I want two consonants. B, C, yes. It's like, now let's put a ridiculous letter. Oh, we got a Z. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next. Uh, Rubble Hulk. This is four colorless, a red and a green. For a star star, it is a rare. And it's an elemental. Rubble Hulk's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, it also has blood, blood rush. Uh, one colorless, red and green. Discard it. Target attacking creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of lands you control. Surprise. Yep. Uh, seems pretty damn good as a pump spell. Pretty meh as a six mana creature. Six mana six six is pretty decent, though. Eh. That's above the curve, I think. Slightly. Yeah. But for, for a rare? I mean, the I'm thing gonna... is, like, I think you're right. Most of the time you're going to want to blood rush this, but there are going to be games where you're just like, okay... I need another creature. What do I rip? Oh, six drop. Oh, six six. Slam onto the onto the battlefield. I'm ready to go. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. He's, he's fine. I don't think he's great, but the blood rush is pretty impressive. Yeah. No, I think he's good. I, the the fact that he's like very versatile makes him. Yeah. Pretty solid. Next up is Signal the Clans. This is a rare instant. It costs a red and a green. Search your library for three creature cards and reveal them. If you search for three cards with different names. Choose one at random and put it into your hand. Shuffle the rest into your library. So Question, Greg. Yeah. Why the hell doesn't it say search your library for three creature cards with different names? And then well, put one in your hand at random. Like, wh- who's going to search up for three cards without different names and literally do nothing and shuffle them back in? I was just going to say, like, make sure you don't mess that up. But I guess you're right. Like, the way they wrote it is kind of... They didn't have to write it that way. No, it's dumb. It makes no. There has to be a corner case for that to mean something, and I really want to know what that is. Yeah, that's interesting. Man, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's bizarre. This card does not seem playable and limited. I guess there are like cards that care about if you shuffle, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for limited, this even for constructed, I think this is just a bad card. Yeah, I'm sure. Just yeah. a bad rare. Bad rare. Bad uh, rare. Next, next up's a reprint. 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 Uh, that was terrible. Sky Knight Legionnaire. One colorless red and white 2-2 human soldier flying haste. Welcome back to the team, Legionnaire. New art is dumb, though. Oh, God, that's terrible. It's the really bad. sweet. The old art was sweet, and this is just like... Uh, this is a common, by the way. Crotch cam. Yeah, crotch cam. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like humping the camera. I don't want that. No. I don't know. It's Man. it's a great card, though. It's a really good aggressive creature. Yep. Solid. Yep. Next up, Sunhome Guild Mage. This is the Boros Guild Mage. 2-2 for a white and a red. It's an uncommon human wizard. Get out of town. First ability, colorless red, white. Creatures you control get plus one, plus oh until end of turn. Solid. Like it. Second ability, two colorless, red, white. Put a 1-1 one, one red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield. Like that one, too. You know who this is very similar to is a, a very old guild mage. Yeah, the Slesnia guild mage. Yeah, super similar. Um, Yeah, and that was probably the best guild mage back in those days. Probably. So, but yeah, the, I think so. Yeah. This one's good, though. I like this card a lot. Yeah. This it's is a high pick. 
I think this is probably going to be the best guild mage in this set. I, I think the best overall will be the Selesny one. Yeah, that, the Selesny one could have been a rare. Yeah. Next. Treasury Thrall. Four colorless white-black. It is a rare 4-4. Four, four. It has extort. Um, whenever it attacks, you may return target artifact, creature, or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. That's solid. Yeah, this card is awesome. Yeah. It's going to get to use my extort every turn until I run out of cards in my graveyard. I like that it doesn't have to deal damage to return something. Like, you just have to attack with it to get something back. Right. Like, the first turn you attack with it, even if you're attacking into, like, a trade or something, you're at least two for wanting them. Yep. The other thing I like about it is because Demir is in this set, you often will be kind of just getting arbitrarily milled, I think. Mm -hmm. And if they want to put stuff in your graveyard, yeah, like, no problem. I'll get it back with this card. I mean, obviously you have to be lucky enough to open up a or get past a rare, the treasury thrill, but... I think it's good. Next up is Urban Evolution. This is an uncommon sorcery. Three colorless, a green, and a blue. Draw three cards. You may play an additional land this turn. Wow. Love this card. Holy shit. Yeah. This is, like, ugh, so sexy. I love it. Better than Harmonize, right? For limited purposes? Maybe not for limited, but... I mean, just the fact that you... It's, like, really close. You recoup that extra mana that you pay for Urban urban Evolution with being able to cast an extra land, which you're probably going to draw one of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, The other thing is you it's turn later, so that's the scary proposition, but it's ramping you, which is matters. Yeah, I mean, you're ramping on turn five, which isn't the greatest, but... Hey. Yeah. Draw three cards is for one card is always good, and then the additional tacked on play an additional land is sweet. This card is going to be pretty good. I mean, I should we should talk about like the dangers of a card like this. It doesn't develop your board. If you're behind, it's probably not going to like the loss of tempo at playing this card is probably not worth it just to draw the three cards. Like it's probably not going to get you back into the game. Right. But if you're at parity or if you're winning, like a card like this can just be backbreaking. Yep. Next up. Next up, Whispering Madness. Two colorless, a blue and a black for a rare sorcery. Each player discards his or her hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded, and you can cipher it. Seems bad. Yeah, it seems kind of like a do-nothing for the most part. Yeah, there was a... I mean, there's like a blue card that costs three, I forget which set, that does the same thing without Cypher. Windfall. It windfall. It's straight unplayable. I think this is... I mean, I understand that it's possibly mill doing the whole mill thing, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's worth that. Yeah, the cases where this card are good are when you have very few cards in your hand and your opponent has many cards, so they have to discard a lot just to draw the same number of cards while you get card advantage. But... One, you have to get to that point, and two, you have to get to a point where, like, your opponent might be upgrading on cards with the new stuff they draw, so it's not that good. No. And I think this is only really a milling card for the most part. Yeah, and it's probably one of the worst ones. Yep. Next up is Zamic Guildmage. This is the Simic Guildmage. Uh, blue and a green, uncommon, 2-2. Elf Wizard, not a human wizard. What? Crazy. Uh, first ability. Green and a blue, this turn, each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. 
So, even if they have zero, like if the card has nothing to do with plus one plus one counters, they come in with a counter on them. Oh man, Memnite deck? Yeah, this, <laughs> when you said that that other one was probably the best guild mage, like I was thinking, oh man, we haven't even seen the white-black one, and the blue-green one is sweet. It's not as good though. Ah, no. Anyway, the second ability, green-blue, remove a plus one plus one counter from a creature you control, draw a card. That's, that's the ability I like. Well, oh man, they're so, they're both good abilities. Like the first ability, if you, let's say you, it's turn five, and you draw an experiment one, you draw one drop. You can pay blue, green, blue, green, and then pay one more green for the experiment, and he comes in as a three, three. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I, I think mean, this card is very powerful. Just that's to, the definitely best. Case oh, best scenario. case scenario for sure, but that's what I'm saying is like, you can make all of your creatures you cast bigger for the low cost of two mana. Like, that's every creature you have has kicker, blue, yeah. green. If you paid the it's kicker, bigger, yeah. it gets plus almost one. So For sure. Multi-kicker, in fact. Right. It's good. Yeah, I mean, totally. And I could see that being really important in the blue-green deck if there aren't a lot of big things to be doing. But overall, um, it's I think it's a little bit weaker than the other ability, which... He's drawing cards off your Evolve dudes. Yeah, but I mean, it plays so well with Evolve, too. Like, if you if you have two of the same Evolve creature, like, let's say you play that Crocodile Frog, and then you play another Crocodile Frog. If you have the Guild Mage in play, and you can... You, yeah, you can pump both of them. Yeah. For sure. I, I Yeah, you're right. It's good. That's I think cool. this is close to as good, if not as good, as the White-Red Guild Mage. Making dudes, making them bigger. Yeah, you're making one ones for four mana. Making them bigger. Yeah. I like it. But anyway, uh, next card, Zerta Swine. Three colorless, red, green. Uh, this is a common. 5-4 boar. It's got Blood Rush for one colorless, a red, and a green, giving plus five, plus four to an attacking creature. That is spicy. Fucking good at common. Holy crap. It's really scary that you, there's a three mana plus five plus four attacking pump spell. Yeah, and the, like, it's, it, this card should cost six to, to <laughs> cast. Like, seriously? Five for a five four? I'll cast that without this ability at common, like, in an, yeah. pretty much any set. Like, He's good. This card's really good. Anyway. I mean, god, that, yeah, this card is so good. <laughs> Next up, we're in hybrid cards. Burning Tree Emissary. Red-green, red-green. So he's a two-mana spell, but you can pay any combination of red and green mana to get him. I still don't know how to best like illustrate that in an audio podcast. I don't know. Uh, it's an uncommon human shaman. 2-2. Two, two. When Burning Tree Emissary enters the battlefield, add red-green to your mana pool. It's like a manamorphose dude. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a free quote-unquote creature as long as the next thing you cast also can use red and green mana. Yeah, seems. I like, like it. It's not great. It's a two drop though. It's a bear that. I mean, just think about this plus possible. any other two drop on turn two. Yeah. You go burning tree emissary into another two drop, or yeah, it could be very explosive for sure. Even on turn five, if you have this and a five drop, like let's say you're planning on casting a swine. And then you draw a Burning Tree Emissary on turn on turn five. You're like, okay, well I'll play the Emissary and then I'll play the Swine. You know, yeah. it's like just, like just free. free free tempo. Free tempo, definitely better than the 
like priest of Urabrask that we've seen previously that costs three for a two one and gives yeah. you three red. It's like fuck that shit. Totally. Give me value on my free spells, please. Let's keep going. Uh, Night Vale Spectre. We got hybrid blue black three times. That's I'm not gonna explain that any better. <laughs> uh, it's a rare two three Spectre. Um, flying surprise. Whenever Night Vale Spectre deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top card of his or her library. You may play cards exiled with Night Vale Spectre. Not for free. No, you have, you to, have pay to still them. pay the cost. But you can play them. And you know what? If you exile lands from their deck, you could probably pay that cost pretty easy. Yep. Well, the, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that as soon as this thing dies or leaves play, you're not going to be able to cast those exiled cards anymore. Because the ability to play them is tacked right there onto the creature. The creature needs to be in play for that effect to be going on. Yeah, solid Spectre, though. Like, yeah, just a 2-3 flyer for 3 is fine, and then all this extra stuff is good. So I, I mean, think he's better than your average 2-3, where he's got a rough mana cost. Yeah, I think he does. But uh, I don't know. Like I think his power level is pretty high for totally. 3 mana. Because you can kind of steel colors with him too he's weird he's kind of a weird mana fixer yeah so like they don't they don't necessarily want to give you lands out of their hand but that might be what they prefer to discard it's the top card of their library that gets exiled so you mill them with it oh oh i thought they discarded it oh never mind okay it's a little worse than i thought oh see i think it's better because then they they don't even get to choose yeah but if they were discarding that's straight card advantage right there i don't know i suppose you're right. It's not card advantage, but it is. Like, if you get to cast one spell with him, he is. It's card advantage, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, uh, next up, we got the key runes. Boros, Demir, Gruul. They're all the same as their old key rune counterparts. So let's just talk about like the creatures they become. The white red one becomes a one one with double strike. Interesting. So uh, you're gonna want to pump this somehow. Yeah, I prefer that on my red green one since uh, right. <laughs> all the blood rushing happening. But blood rush can happen on just straight red cards, so yep, that's pretty sweet with that card. Totally, I do think this is relatively weak though. Mm-hmm. Next up is the blue black, and it becomes a two two unblockable. I like this one a lot. Yeah, that's one of the better ones we've seen. Uh, obviously, strict or not strictly better. Uh, but but seems better than the white blue one yeah. that got flying. The reason you say it's not strictly better is because the white blue one could block a flyer, whereas this could not. So, right. uh, and the red green one becomes a three two with trample. I think that's pretty good in the blood rush colors. Yep. But again, not great. I just don't like the key runes. They're just so slow. Yeah, but this set might be a little bit slower. Probably. That's not. that's fair though. Yeah, you're right. You might be right. So what's the next non-Kirun artifact, Jeff? Illusionist's Bracers. It's a rare. Two colorless equipment. Whenever an ability of equipped creature... Oh, it costs three to equip, by the way. Whenever an ability of the equipped creature is activated, if it isn't a mana ability, copy that ability, and you may choose new targets for for the copy. Um, That is not happening in Limited. Oh, I don't know. What about a uh, guild mage? Guild mage, yeah. I mean, that's a rare and an uncommon you gotta get, and it only works well with that un- uncommon. You have to have multiple cards that this card's gonna be good with. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of cards, I mean, that are not spoiled yet, though, so this 
card could go up in power level. Like, but think about it just on a Foundry Champion. If you pay a red, it gets plus two plus zero, oh, or a white, it gets plus zero oh, plus two until end of turn. The guild, the guild mages are good examples. I'm, I'm kind of just scrolling. Find a up. common. <laughs> yeah. Find a common and we'll talk. I'm working on it. Uh, the, the, the gateway shades and uncommon. Yeah, I mean it's tough. And it's, it's an activated ability, so like it doesn't work with uh, the Orzhov ability. Extort, no, it does Extort. not. But I mean, it, yeah, it just depends on what you have in your deck. It could be playable for your, for the most part. It probably won't be. Just because it is kind of you spend five mana to essentially do nothing right away, you still have to spend pay some other cost to get the effect. And what the hell's up with not letting it be used with mana abilities? Is that like because it'd be crazy good in EDH or something? It'd probably just be broken in general. Would be my guess. Would it be though? Two mana know. to pass three to equip like that's really slow to get your like Rafalos to make like eighty mana instead of forty. Yeah, but I mean, those ramp decks already have a lot of mana to access, so like five colorless mana isn't that un- unreal, you know? I guess you're right, man. I mean, I think they're just, they're just trying to be safe with it. Yeah, safety's safety, it can be boring. I mean, I don't play Constructed, so I'm not like, whenever they tone something down, I'm like, ah, lame. Yeah, you know they don't want to ban cards, though. I know that, so that's why I say I don't play Constructed, so take what I say with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, the only other cards spoiled so far are the lands, all the guild gates and all the dual lands. We don't really need to talk about those. Those have basically the same value that they had in this set. What are you talking about, Greg? They're so different. <laughs> no, they're exactly the same. Yep. So, I don't know if that's all we've got spoiled so far. I'm... Like, we already said this, but I'm getting excited for Gate Crash. Yay! Exciting new set. I'm happy. Do any of these cards jump out at you as, like, standard... Shining cards, Jeff, for when I have to go play Standard next month. Let's talk to somebody else about that. Um, Help me. Enter the Infinite. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, the cards that I'm looking at as far as playing Standard in Montreal is Gideon. I'm definitely going to have to... I don't know if I'm going to play him, but I need to be prepared for that card to be a real thing. not positive that that's that amazing, but... I don't know. And then some of the the gold cards, like the uh, the black-white guild leader, Obzidat. Yeah. He seems very good. If there's any type of ramp deck, which I'm sure there will be, I like Clan Defiance, actually. It's okay. So, so versatile. Yeah, I just wonder how many decks are going to be playing both flying creatures and non-flying creatures. Well, I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> I, no, seriously. If you're if you're a deck that's like ramping to do big things, it's like you can cast your first clan defiance and kill a creature and deal them some damage, and your second clan defiance is the one that's actually going to kill them. You know? Yeah, I just wonder uh, if wouldn't you rather just play bonfire? No. No. It doesn't, doesn't do as much damage. Off the top, it does. Well, that's true, but I don't know. I this. I, no, you could be I, right. I, I mean, I I, I like I like hearing talk that. about constructed. I know nothing. I think I should just build a Biovisionary deck. That's that's probably going to be the top tier deck. <laughs> I can yeah. see that. I do like uh, I like the Alms Beast as a uh, what do you want to call it like and like a sideboard card against non-creature decks. Yeah. Just get a six six for four. Six. Se- seems good. I don't know if there's a white 
black deck that wants that, but you never I know. I see it like an Esper control deck that doesn't play creatures and then sighting into it against like a mirror. That'd be yeah, insane. There you go. Alright. Everyone sight out their removal. Anyway. This is a limited podcast. Let's shut up about that. Yeah, we're terrible at that form of magic. Well, hopefully I won't be terrible soon, but we'll, only time will tell. I probably will still be terrible, but that's how it goes. All right, let's wrap this shit up. Yeah, man. Tell them about all the different ways they can talk to us through the interwebs. Through the internet. You can reach us at eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com for emails. You can go to Facebook and search us up, East West Draftcast. You can go to Twitter and talk to Greg at EW Draftcast. You can talk to me at Jeff EWDC. You can go to our website, eastwestdraftcast.com. You can hack into my computer and leave me little notes. should totally do that. Yeah. Um, I won't tell you my global IP or anything like that, though. Hint. It's one. <laughs> it's not. That's not a thing. It's not one? No. Well, then whose computer have I been hacking into, Jeff? Uh, Jesus's, maybe? I don't oh. know. Seems like a Jesus computer. A Jesus global IP number? Yeah, or maybe... Yeah, I don't know. I, I got nothing. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll probably wait for another like big crop of these cards to come out before we talk spoilers again but that should be pretty soon yeah we'll have the whole thing spoiled in a few weeks so yeah i'm getting really excited to to draft it and do sealed i might miss the pre-release i'm kind of bummed about that yeah i'm gonna be in las vegas that weekend i'm thinking about going to play in a pre-release while i'm in vegas do it. You need some practice because the Grand Prix in Vegas in June. Yeah, I, well, I just need practice with these new cards. Like, I always feel better about a set if I go to the pre-release and I play there, as far as, like, sealed and draft goes. Just getting to play with the cards as soon as possible. And I, I really do want to be prepared for PTK Crash. Like, I want to be totally on top of at least the limited aspect of my game because... Like, that's that's the way I got there. Like, if I suck at Constructed, that's one thing, but I really don't want to be bad at Limited when I get there. Yeah. I so, agree. I'm really tempted to ditch my friends for five hours and go play Magic on a Saturday in Vegas. It just seems so wrong to me. I should be at the poker table or drinking somewhere, but... Oh, well, we'll see what happens. Play Magic. Yep. Everybody should play more Magic. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Draft cast out! Ah!